Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. We want to welcome you. If this is your first time or first time in a long time, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we also want to welcome everyone watching online across the world. Thank you for tuning in this morning. And also for our Grayson campus, uh, we are one church in two locations and we have a church there in Grayson that every single week we get to broadcast and speak to our church in Grayson. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and being with us today. And what God is doing in that region is just amazing to see. You know, uh, we're about to finish up this series here, uh, Experiencing God. This is our last week of this series, and hopefully God has been using it to speak into your life. Hopefully you've been going through the content and the, the workbook. If you've got one of those in your groups, we hope that you've been joining us as well. It's not too late. You can always go back and watch these messages. You can always go back, grab one of those books, go through it this summer with your family members, a friend, a coworker, a roommate, a classmate, a teammate. And, you know, pick one of them up and say, come on, we're going to continue to go through this experience of God. And if you've missed all of that, guess what? It's all online. You could go back and catch up with us because it does build on itself. And today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize the entire series with the passage I've been reading and studying that I believe that kind of summarizes and puts all this together for us. And it's found in Luke chapter five. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter five, or maybe you got your phone or your iPad. I'll be using the Lou Living translation this morning so you can go there with me. And while you're turning, I just want to give a little commercial break real quick. This summer is going to be jam-packed. We got so much so many things that's going to be planned, and you know, we've got a great family series we'll be kicking off next week, kind of around this camping vacation type theme. It's going to be fun. We've got uh, child dedication coming up. Fourth of July is going to be amazing. We got it. We're going to have a big baptism and some barbecue and fireworks. Yes, you don't want to miss that one. That one's going to be awesome, and we got a great things planned. At the end of July, we're going to do our very first ever kids camp. We're going to have our kids are going to come here and throughout that week, and we're going to do what we do on Sunday morning, but also through that week here for a kids camp. Maybe if you're thinking, what is that? Think of like kind of old school VBS, but it's our kids camp. It's going to be amazing, and you don't want to miss that. It's going to be the last week of July. I'm telling you, we got a packed out summer coming up. We're going to have so much fun. So if you're going to be traveling or in and out on vacation, just uh, we have a calendar we're going to put out there for you so you can kind of see, so you can make sure that you're here. Or if you're not, you can always catch us online no matter where you go. That's why we love technology, right? That even when we got to be places, maybe at work or traveling, that you can uh, catch online. And also, real quick, this is Memorial Day weekend. And I just want to um, just take a moment and let's just never forget the men and women who have died for us, that we're able to stand here today in freedom in this great, great country uh, that we live in too. And some of you have family members. I have family members who serve. My wife has had family members who serve. Uh, but for those who pay the ultimate price for your freedom and our freedom, that we can stand here today and to worship him. And so I just pray that, just don't, don't think this is just a kind of a vacation. We can take time just to, you know, to thank God, not only for the men and women who died to give us freedom, but for his son, who died to give us freedom from our sins, uh, that we can spend eternity with him. And so don't just let this kind of roll off as a three-day weekend. Just, just be mindful that there's a lot of people around us and friends and family members who lost loved ones who pay that ultimate sacrifice for us to be able to be and do what we do today. And so we're eternally grateful uh, for them and for your family. And so as we finish up this series here in Experience of God, Luke chapter five, I believe, summarizes exactly what we're, we're going for as we finish this series. And so in a nutshell, that we talk about this series is, is that God pursues us, that God is in a loving relationship and he comes after us and he pursues us and then he invites us to join him in his work and his mission. He speaks to us and then when God speaks to us, we have a choice. Are we going to accept this invitation? Because 
we come to a crisis of belief when God speaks. Am I going to believe that he is who he is and says what he says, or am I going to doubt him? Will I trust him or will I doubt him? And then I have to adjust my life. Think about if you think of a sailboat, you've got to put up the sail. You've got to do something. You've got to adjust your life so that when the wind blows, when the Holy Spirit comes and moves, it will carry you and do exactly what God wants you to do. And then you step out and trust him with obedience. And all of that takes faith. You know, Hebrews eleven six says it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, here's the question. How do you increase your faith? Have you ever thought about that? How do you increase your faith? Because if you want to be a faith-filled people, not a faithless people, how do you increase your faith? Do you know the disciples asked Jesus that question? The apostles came in Luke 17, verse 5, and here's what they asked. How do you increase our faith? Or increase our faith. Give us more faith. And Jesus goes on, and that's going to be the secret part here at the end of this. How do you do that? How do you increase your faith? How do you have faith that moves mountains in your life when you're facing circumstances? How do you have faith to believe that the best is truly yet to come when life just throws a curveball at you? How do you have enough faith that Jesus says you've had the faith of the size of a mustard seed, which means it's not the amount of faith that you have, it's the quantity and the sincerity of the faith that you have. How do you get that type of faith? Because Paul writes in Romans 12, 3 and tells us clearly, it's not that we don't have faith. In fact, Bible says that God has allotted all of us the measurement of faith. So we have the faith. How do you exercise it? How do you increase it and be able to trust God with not just the small things, but watch this, with the big things in your life? So how do you do that? How do you accelerate? And how do you activate this faith that produces a life that pleases the Lord? So if that inquires you, if that intrigues you, that's what we're going to be focused on today. And I believe this story in Luke chapter five kind of will summarize this entire series. So let's jump in here, starting in verse one. It said, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee and a great crowd pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. I believe when the word of God is preached, people want to show up because people want to hear what the Lord has to say. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats. So let's stop right there. Let's paint this picture. Jesus is preaching. Crowd is pressing him, getting closer to him. As he was pressing him, he gets to the edge of the water. He realized the crowd is getting bigger. Before we know it, it's going to push him out into the water. So he notices two boats the Bible tells us, and he goes and he purposely chooses one of the boat. He could pick any boat, but he chooses one and he steps into the boat and he pushes out just a little bit further, we're about to see, and he uses the boat as a platform to preach, to speak to the people because unless they're going to get out in the water, he's sitting in the water, they're sitting on the shore, he's preaching them. So he steps into the boat and he sits in the boat and he begins to teach the people. Now, what is the boat today? Well, the boat is your life. Jesus wants to step into your life and use your life to reach the people around us. He wants to use your career, your academics, your sports, you name it, your job, what you do for a living, what you do for, uh, for in your life. God wants to use that to be a platform to be able to reach people for him. For some of us, it's our pain and it's our struggle. A lot of times people come and talk to me about the struggle and the pain and the stuff they're going through their life. And I always remind them that when this is over and it will be over, you will get through 
the suffering that you're going through. And when you do, do not forget that God does not waste pain, that God does not waste your problems, and that God does not waste your scars. He wants to use your scars to minister to the people around him. We know that. We see that. We see this in the script. He said, look at the holes in my hand. He used his scars to minister to the people around him. So God will use your pain, and oftentimes your pain becomes the platform for God to use you. I deal with a lot of people who, who come and talk to me. God's been doing something in their life, and they broke an addiction, or they're, they're breaking through an addiction, and I always remind them, God wants to use that in their life. What the enemy meant for evil, God wants to use for goodness to help the people around them. What you have gone through, God will use that platform, that pain to minister. He will step into your boat to help you. A lot of times we don't want Jesus in our boat. We don't want him in our life. We don't want him to be able to direct us. But the reality is he wants to use your boat to reach the other people. Verse three. So Jesus asked Simon, so let's stop. Now we know this is Peter. So one of the disciples, you've probably heard about Peter. So he steps into Peter's boat. There's two of them, but he purposely stepped into Peter's boat. It's the owner of the boat. Push out into the water, and then we see here, he sat down in the boat and began to teach the crowds from there. He used Peter's platform, his boat, to present the gospel. And my question is, can people see that gospel in your boat, in your life, in your own platform? When you go through pain and suffering, can people see the gospel? When you're at work, can people see the gospel? When you go shopping, can people see the gospel? Can people see Jesus living out through your life? When you go home from work, when you take off your mask and you become who you really are in front of the people that you love, your wife or your husband or your kids or whoever you're living, when you do it, can they see Jesus in you or do you bring all the pain and all the heartache and all the problems home from work, home to the family who love you who care about you, but then you think you take them for granted and you show them the real you and they don't see the gospel in you. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's one of the biggest attacks from the enemies is that the people that we love the most, who we believe love us the most, we let our guard down and we really expose and show who we are. When those are the our family and our kids are the ones we should be showing the gospel, how much Jesus loves them and how even though work may be tough, life may be tough, school may be tough, that doesn't give me the reason to act out on the people that I love. I'm preaching to somebody. Somebody needs to be listening to that right now. You know what I'm saying? And we show the gospel when we come home to be. Can people see Jesus in your life? But here's the thing. Watch this. Not only did Jesus get into his boat, now he begins to direct his boat. See, that's a lot of times for us, we're like, that's okay, Jesus, come on, make sure, get me out of hell. I don't want to go there and I get to go to heaven. Come on, Jesus, you can get in my boat. Absolutely, I'm a Christian. Absolutely, I go to church. Absolutely, I believe the Bible. Absolutely, yeah, come on, Jesus. And then Jesus steps in your boat, now he starts directing it. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't need no backseat Jesus driver, you know what I'm saying, right? Come on, come on. Thank you for saving me, but don't direct my life. Don't tell me who I'm going to marry. Don't tell me where I'm going to work. Don't tell me what school I'm going to go to. Don't tell me how to handle my money. I'll do what I want with my money. How I want, don't be telling me the tithe. You kidding me? I ain't going to give you my money. Don't tell me what to. So we want Jesus in our boat, but we don't want him directing it. Don't tell me how to raise my kids. Don't tell me when I need to be at church. No, 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 no. Don't, don't tell me I got to go forgive them. I want to jack slap them. I don't want to forgive them, right? What are you talking about? Don't sit there with your halos on. You know who I'm talking to, right? right? So we want Jesus in the boat, but we just don't want him directing it. And honestly, and every one of us have been there. 
But we want him in a boat. We want experience. We want to do something great. But don't, don't tell me where to go in my boat. But now Jesus steps into Peter's boat. He steps into his life. He steps into his way of living. He steps into what he thinks Peter knows best. Peter's a fisherman. I've fished my whole life. I know what I know when a time. Listen, I've got this garment. It's going to tell me right where the fish are when I need to catch the right fish. Can I get a witness, Logan? You know what I'm talking about. Like, I know where the fish is going to be. This is my life. I know what's best, Jesus. You're a carpenter. You go build porches. You go build houses. That's what you do. I fish. See, sometimes we think we know more than what God knows. We think we're smarter than him. We think, hey, I, I worked hard to get this position. I worked hard to get this job. I worked hard to get what I have. Don't, uh, thank you, Jesus, but I think I got it from here. Jesus steps into your boat, and he wants to direct your boat. Look what he says. Verse four. Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. This is hilarious. This is just so funny. Let's go out in the deep in the middle of the day, and let's catch some fish. Oh, come on, Jesus. You've been around the Sea of Galilee enough. Haven't you ever been in a boat? Didn't your daddy ever take you fishing? Didn't your brothers ever take you out? You know that you ain't gonna let water your nets down in deep water because you ain't gonna catch nothing. You go fishing at night when they come in to feed up close to the shore and where it's shallow, then you let down the nets, then you drag your nets. We ain't like the big fishermen nets today. They have these big, long fish nets that you could drop down over. These are like a boat in a boat. We're just kind of walking through, taking up some nets, taking up. You're not going to catch anything in the middle of the day, in the deepest part of the lake or the sea. Come on, Jesus. You got to know better than this. So I want you to put yourself in Peter's position. You fished all night. You just cleaned the nets. That's what you were doing when Jesus came. You were getting all the, 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 the gunk and the, the limbs and the stuff that got caught in your nets. You've cleaned your nets. You make sure they're ready to go. You're folding them back up, putting them nice and neat. And now Jesus, get the nets back out. We're going to fish again. I fished all night long. I've been cleaning my nets all day while you've been preaching some summer over here. What are you talking about? Let down my nets. See, I love what the Bible says. Let's go out where it's deeper. See, Jesus a lot of time wants to take you deeper. He wants to get you in a position that's over your head. He wants you to get you in the circumstances where you have to completely depend upon him and not nothing else. Not your own skill, not your own craft, not your own intellect, not your own bank account. I'm gonna get you to a place where so deep you have to depend on me that if without me, it cannot be possible. That's where faith starts to work. That's where you start to trust me in this life. I'm gonna stretch you, Peter. I'm gonna stretch you so you start trusting me. And if you'll let me stretch you a little bit, which you did because you let me get in your boat, which was the first invitation, and you trust me enough to get into your boat, that's a nice little step. But now I'm gonna go a big step. Now I'm gonna ask you to do something even greater. You see the progress, how God works? It starts with the small stuff. And if I can trust you with the small stuff, I can trust you with the big stuff. And so I want to increase your faith here. I want you to trust me. And I'm going to show you that you can trust me when I tell you to do something. So here's Peter sitting here going, all right, man, you want to go deep? We'll go deep. You want me to do this? That's what you want to do. You want me to get out of control and put it into you? Let's go. Don't miss the commands. Go deep. Let down your nets. He spoke to him. And now he comes to a crisis of belief. Am I going to trust? Am I going to doubt? Am I going to obey or am I going to disobey? Am I going to believe or am I going to have unbelief? Now look what he says in verse five. Master. He is. He's a master rabbi. He's a master teacher. There's a position now. He don't really, he sees him like master. Okay, you, you're, you're master. I get it. I respect you. I get this. 
You kind of go around 30-year-old rabbi trying to get your ministry going. I got that. I understand that. I heard all about what you did. I heard all about your miracles. Okay, that's cool. But here it is. What? Master, Peter replied. We have worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch one thing. That's most fishermen right there, right? <laughs> you come home like, what'd you catch anything? I didn't catch anything. My wife told me all the time, I was like, why do you go fishing and you don't ever catch anything? Well, why do you go shopping and you never buy anything? Okay, that's not the whole story, but we'll get to that. Wait, wait, you ain't catching nothing. You're like, we didn't catch a thing, but watch this. But if you say, I'll let down the nets again. One more time. And what Peter does right now will determine what he really believes about God. Am I going to trust you? We're in deep waters. I understand this. I've been a fisherman. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I understand this. I get this. You don't. Jesus, you're out of your element. I'm in my element. You're not even in my world right now. You don't understand. I've worked hard. I've got this. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. I've got enough. You want me to do what? See, we do this all the time. In almost all areas of our life. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me out of hell, but don't direct my boat. Don't tell me what to do. But Peter says, Master, all right, here we go. I'm gonna trust you. And he let down his nets. Folks, listen, this summarizes this entire series. God was already around, work, working around Peter. Peter knew about him. God was already... Then Jesus pursues him. Out of two boats, he steps into Peter's. That's not, that's not by accident. He has a purpose for Peter's life. He steps into his life. He steps into his boat. And now he invites him. You want to go deep? Let's go deep. Come on with me. We're going to go out here in the deep of the water. Push out from the shore. He invites him to go with him. And then he speaks to him. Two commands. Go deep. Now let down your net. And now Peter comes to a crisis of belief. Am I going to believe on what I know to be true? Logically, you don't catch fish in the middle of the day in the deep water. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. Who would do such a thing? I've worked hard all night. I've stayed up all night. I'm hangry right now. I'm hungry. I didn't catch nothing to eat. I've got to go back. I got to take a nap. I got to go back, back out. And now just got my nets clean and you want me to do what? Now he comes to a crisis of belief. What do you do? I got a decision to make. Obey or not obey? But because you say, I'm going to adjust my nets, and now he's got to get in position. Remember, we talked about this last week. You got to adjust your life. You get in position. Now he adjusts his nets, and then he obeys one more time, and he throws them. All because Jesus said so. And look what happens in verse 6. At this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in in the other boats. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Folks, listen, this is not difficult. Do you want empty nets or do you want full nets in your life? It's your choice. Do you want to walk around with a victim mentality and they got empty nets? You know, I'm just, it's just, I'm just 
it's not going to happen to me, that that don't work out for me. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know my past. You don't know my childhood. You know, I'm broke. My family's been broke. We've always been broke. They've been poor. They've been poor. My dad was an alcoholic. My grandpa was an alcoholic. I will always be an alcoholic. My mom gossiped. My grandma gossiped. I'm always going to be a God. And we walk around with like, I'm just empty. I'm depressed. I'm down. I got empty nets. It's, it's, it's heredity. It's in my family. It's always been this way. It's how I get. Or are you going to trust God and change your, your family tree and do something great? Say, I'm tired of having empty nets. I want to have full nets. What's the secret to having full nets? What is it? What changes it? Because you have the power to change. I no longer want to walk around with empty nets. I want full nets in my life. And I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm talking about an overflowing, abundant life, a full life, a better life than I've ever dreamed of. Where does that come from? Because it's your choice. You can walk around and mope the rest of your life. Woe is me. Nothing ever happens to me. I never get a break in life. Look what's happened in my life, directly or indirectly. Or we can walk around and have full nets. What is the secret to having full nets? What is the secret of a faithful life? What's the secret of a better life? What's the secret to experiencing God like you've never experienced Him before? What's the secret? You ready? Obey. That's it. Obedience is what increases your faith. Go back and read Luke 17. He says, how do we increase our faith? Increase our faith. And basically what Jesus tells them, if you want to increase your faith, increase your obedience. Because the more you obey me, the more you're stretched, the more you grow. The more you stretch, the more you grow. It's just like a muscle when you work out. The more you work, you don't, you don't lift 100 pounds when you first got started. You're probably on the 20s. You can't do the 100. How do you do that? You work the 20s small, you stretch it, you build muscle fiber. Guess what happens? Now you can, you can bench a little bit more. You can pick up a little bit more. And it increases over time. In the same way, faith is just like that. God's like, hey, can I get in your boat? Small step. Sure, come on in my boat. Small step of faith. Hey, can you mind if I preach? Yeah, small step of faith. You came through there, you came through there. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something pretty radical. Well, you let down your nets. Whoa, that's a big step. But if I will take that step, I will have full nets. Listen to me. The secret to an abundant life, a better life, a full life, the secret to experiencing God to the fullest, the secret of having full nets versus empty nets is you obey when God speaks. And I'm gonna be honest with you. Most of you are praying about stuff that God has already spoken about. And you're wondering why you're not experiencing what God, have you already obeyed him? Forgive the person who hurt you. I wanna, no wonder you got empty nets. No wonder you're empty emotionally. No wonder you're bitter. Bless those around you. Oh, no wonder you're greedy. No wonder you're stingy. No wonder you don't wanna. God said, no, be generous. Let's bless, let's help. No, go share your faith. Go talk to them about me. Go help them. Oh, I don't got time somebody else to do it. You see what I'm saying? We miss these little commands that God gives us. And now you think, well, I can't do nothing great. I can't do nothing big. There's no way I can let down my net. There's no way I can step out. There's no way my wife and I, when we just go back through our lives, it was the little things. It was the little things. And then God says, go plant a church. 
How do you even do that? I didn't even know you could start a church. I never took a class on church planting. I never read a book on church planting. I didn't even know you could even do something. I thought, God, how do you even start a church? That's just crazy. But it was little step, little step, little step. Increase your faith, increase your faith, increase your faith. God says, let down your nets and go big, go home, go deep. Me and my wife grabbed hands and we jumped and said, here we go. And we're living an abundant life, a full life. I'm talking full nets. How does that happen? I'm telling you, listen to me, obedience. Obedience. And I'm gonna be honest with you. One of the biggest ways that God has ever increased my, God has increased my, how God has increased my faith, and by even little things. But the biggest thing in my life that God has used for me personally to increase my faith is when he's told us to be generous or to give or to bless people and just a little and then how God shows up. Folks, we've seen over 3,000 people saved here in 13 years. God has grown a church, multiplied the church into two locations. That lo that's gonna continue to increase. God's gonna continue. What grows healthy keeps, keeps growing. And that's, I don't know where God's gonna lead us on that. We're just gonna trust him and listen to him. That's the whole point of this series. Show us where you're working, send us there. God may want us to put one in Ashland, put one in Mount Sterling, put one in Maysville. We'll, listen, I told the staff the other day, we don't have to be Walmart, we'll be Dollar General. We'll put them everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Everywhere you go. And so like, oh, Dollar General. And then all of a sudden, you forgot your eggs and bread and they're right beside you. Oh, praise God, the Dollar General is here. Can I get a witness? You know I'm preaching to But it was a little step of obedience when it comes to giving. I'm just gonna be honest, that's, that's how God has increased our faith more than anything in, in our entire life. And God is saying, listen, you wanna go deep with me? Just obey me. And the little things, just trust me. And the little things, and then when the big things come, you'll be able to look back and go, well, God, you came through then. And you came through there. And I trusted you then. I'm not gonna doubt you now. And God will show up and do great things in your life. So look what happens. Because when God calls you to obedience, it always demands a response from you. Verse eight, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, oh, 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 now I'm Lord? Do you see how to transition? Master, teacher, rabbi, good dude, prophet, awesome. Lord, you the man. Fish don't do this. How did this happen? Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. Now you think that would have been the response? <laughs> For most of like, oh dude, you wanna go in business? You wanna be partners? You want, I'll give you 50% of the profit, let's go. Right, everywhere we go, we would. No, 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 look at what it produced in him. I am such a sinful man, verse nine. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And I'm gonna be honest with you, that's exactly the mission to every single person who still has breath, who's been saved by the blood of Jesus and by his grace. If you woke up this morning and you have breath, I promise you it's bigger than your paycheck, it's bigger than what you think, it's for you to be fishing for people. God didn't save you just to take you to heaven. He left you here to be on mission with him. That applies to every single one of us. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're 80 years old. God still has a plan for you to fish for people. But we don't want him to direct our boat. We don't want him to direct our conversations. We don't want him to direct our lives. 
and he obeyed. And so real quick, I'm gonna tick through these really fast. Just in case if you're taking notes for your top eight people, you can go back and watch it online, but I'm gonna go through real quick right here. Obedience always helps me see Jesus for who he really is. He's no longer master, he's Lord now. When you pray for something small and God comes through and it increases your faith, he goes, can you, here's what happens. You start calling, can you believe that God answered my prayer? And one of the most exciting things is when your kids begin to experience this, because we do this all the time. Have you, how many of you lose stuff around the house? Like we lose, like we lose everything. Like, I mean, just everything all around the house. Like we lose a kid too. We can't even find them. Like, where are you, where are you at? Like, what are you talking about? Like, here's the first thing we said. Did you pray about it? No. God, where's my Nintendo Switch that mom hid from me? <laughs> Is that right? That's not good. She's like, I'm preaching, bro. She's preaching now. There it is. Dad, I found it. Should it shock you? You ask him to help you. See, even in the small things. And then when God begins, you like, it said, God, you really are God. You really are who you say you are. You really will come through. When you obey, you will see Jesus for who he really is. Here's the second thing. Obedience always produces humility. Because when you obey and God comes through, it will humble you. And here's what happened. I can't believe I doubted him. I can't believe I didn't ask before. I can't believe I didn't trust him. How do we know? Peter hit his knees and says, get away from me because he recognized his sin. Pride will keep you from seeing your sin. Humility says, woe is me. I don't deserve you to answer my prayers. I don't deserve you to bless me this way. I don't deserve you to, to come through the way you come through. I don't deserve that one bit. That's humility. Obedience will always produce humility in your life. And if you're around people who are arrogant and prideful and cocky and stuff, I'm telling you what, there's a prideful spirit there. Because they think they can do it on their own. I built my boat. I built my business. I built my life. I worked hard to get to my career. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. You are self-made nothing. Who gave you breath this morning? Who gave you the smarts? Who woke you up? Who watched you all night long sleep? That should bring humility to our lives when God blesses us. Not arrogance. Obedience always leads to blessings. Every time you obey, God will bless you. Please hear me. Every time you obey, God will bless you. Every time. Every time. The boat was so full, he didn't even know what to do with it. But listen to me. Not only will God bless you, obedience always blesses others around you. Boys, you better come over here and get some of this. I got so much fish, I'm about to sink. And everyone came in and were part of the blessing. That's what happens when you obey Jesus. He don't bless you just to bless you. He blesses you to bless the people around you. You see, all because, what's this? I obeyed. And because I obeyed, people around me got blessed. This story came to my mind. My buddy, he took me out. This was probably about nine years ago. We just moving to here and we're planting a church. And he goes, let's go down to the Mexican restaurant. We went to the Mexican restaurant and, and we're sitting there eating and, uh, and we're going on. And he asked me to go out there with him. I said, sure, we're eating. We're hanging out, had this conversation. And this lady comes by and she looks at me and she said, Brother Daniel, you pastor that church over? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. She goes, you know what? I'm going to buy your meal today. I'm going to bless you. Man of God, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to provide for you because I feel like God told me to come and do it. And I could tell you, you know, she was Pentecostal. But anyway, and, and um, 
I love my Pentecostal sisters and brother, man. We need some more of y'all up in here. You know what I'm saying? And she goes, I can just feel the spirit on her. She was just like, just anointed. And she's going on. And she looked at me and she goes, are you with him today? And she, he said, yes, man. She goes, I'm going to bless you too. Because when you're around the man of God, everybody gets blessed. And he sat there and looked at her and I looked at him and she goes, does that happen? I said, that don't happen like that. But I mean, is that crazy? And that story come to my mind because here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm saying. When God blesses you, he'll begin to bless people around you. And that blessing overflows, not just for you, but for the people around you. And God will send people into your life to bless you so you could turn around and bless the people around you. Here's another thing, obedience will always reveal my purpose. Some of you go, God, what's my purpose in life? What should I do with my life? Start to obey him. Peter used to fish for fish. (laughs) Let me tell you what your real purpose is. You're gonna be fishing for people. See, when you obey, God reveals his purpose, his ways, what he's trying to accomplish. All you gotta do, watch this, watch this, is be obedient. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll give what you want me to give. I'll go where you want me to go. You have that attitude of obedience. God will bless you, bless the people around you. You'll have full nets. And here's the big one, here's the big one. Lastly, it will increase your faith. Obedience always increases faith. Give me more faith. Be more obedient. And when you do, it will increase your faith. So what do you do? Real quick, let me tell you what to do. Invite Jesus into your boat. Allow him to get into your boat. The reason why you're here or listen to this or watch this is because he's already asking you, can I get into your boat? He wants to pursue you. He wants a relationship with you. And when he does, watch this, let him direct your life. People say, I'll see the bumper sticker, Jesus wants to be your co-pilot. No, he doesn't. He wants to be the pilot, not your co-pilot. Most of us live that way. We'll run it by Jesus. We'll talk to Jesus a little bit. Nah, let's go this way. Let him steer your life. Literally, Jesus, take the wheel. Can I get a witness? Let him steer your life. Then follow him for the rest of your life. Wherever he tells you to do, wherever he tells you to go, whatever he tells you to give, you obey him, you be obedient. Folks, we've been saying this for the last 13 years when it comes to all areas of your life, but we've been saying, what do we say all the time? Go home, listen to Jesus, do what he tells you to do. I've been preaching that for 13 years. Why? Because you will experience full nets, not empty nets, an abundant life, a full life, a better life than you've ever dreamed of. It is your choice. Now watch this, verse 11. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The whole way of life, all that they could cast all those fish in. Not only Peter, look what it says, plural, they. They left their way of life to follow Jesus. His obedience increased his faith so much He was willing to walk away from everything just to follow Jesus, and he did, and history tells us what God did through him, that he stood up one day and preached, and 3,000 people were saved and baptized in one day. All because over here three years ago, Jesus, you can get in my boat. Come on. Sure, we'll go a little bit deeper. Okay, okay, I'll let down my nets. Now I'm gonna stand up and preach and 3,000 people get saved. He didn't get there overnight. It's a process. 
Little obedience, little obedience, stretch faith. Little obedience, stretch faith. Obedience, big faith. That's how it starts. The question is, will you let him in your boat? And if you do, will you allow him to drive it? And if you do, mark my word for it, you will experience him. I'm gonna ask if you would just to bow your heads just for a moment. been a good series. I've really enjoyed it. It's just been good to go back through it. My wife and I, we went through this almost 20 years ago. We went through it again when we was planting the church. God, show us where you're working. And now we get to go through it again as a church family. I get to pull up my workbook and I remember some of the things it says and the questions. It says, what do you need to begin to adjust in your life to experience God? And to go back and look 16 years ago, some of the things I began to write down, I gotta adjust this, I gotta adjust this, I gotta adjust this, I gotta adjust this. To reminisce and go back and look at that and see how God has come through because of the adjustments we were willing to make. And folks, that's what I want for you. Every one of you, every single one of you, to experience him to the fullest. And you can, when you let him in your boat, direct it and then obey. And maybe today he's directing you to give your life to him. He's tugging at your heart. You've been listening, you've been watching, or you've been coming. All you need to do is invite Jesus into your boat and right now into your life, into your heart. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today I surrender my life, my boat, my heart to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Now help me follow you obey you for the rest of my life. And if that's you and you pray that with me, just in a moment, host is gonna come out, both our campuses, and they're gonna share with you some of your next steps. If you're watching us online, let us know in the comment. Over in the chat room, let us know. Hey, today is when everybody know I gave my life to Jesus. I'm ready to start this journey. Father, we thank you so much for your word. <laughs> How relevant it is to us today. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't let you take the wheel, when we don't trust you at your word, when we don't obey. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and second chances and third chances. God, I pray for the ones who believe in today that they can't step out by faith, that they can't do these small obedience. I pray that you would just give them the faith and the courage and the strength, Lord, to take that small step. Just a small step. Maybe it's like, hey, I don't know if I need to serve. Take the next step and just see what life track's about. Just small steps. I don't know if I got any gifts that God can use this small step. I don't know anybody to be generous and blessed. Just a small step. I'll really, I can't share my faith, but maybe I can just share my story. Maybe it's just a small invitation. Maybe it's just a text message. God, just one step, one small step. I pray you'll lay on our hearts that we begin to increase our faith by increasing our obedience so that we can experience you. For it's all for your glory in your son's name, amen.